This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Ash gets a shot up, and that'll take us to the finish line. And the Oregon Ducks out of the Pac-12, headed to the Sweet 16. Fourth trip to the Sweet 16, the last five NCAA tournaments competed for. A 15-point win over the Iowa Hawkeyes in the seventh seed. Is advancing. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ryan Horvat on the BetQL Audio Network. Had a great, great, a great moment there for Eli Herskovich over the weekend. He was telling you all year how terrible Ohio State was, and they have an early exit in the first round. And his Iowa Hawkeyes friend McCaffrey bounced in the second round. When I say his, obviously little sarcasm there. You can't stand for him, McCaffrey, if you're a regular listener to the show. Welcome to BetQL Daily. Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat, BetQL and Radio.com have partnered up to help you beat the sports books. Use our promo code daily for 20% off any subscription. Get started today at BetQL.com. Also available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Promo code daily for 20% off any subscription. And the co-host of BetQLU is one Eli Herskovich. We bring him on to the show, get his uh, reaction in extended form. We didn't talk too much about it, about the lines for the Sweet 16 round coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Eli, did you think you were going to go an entire segment without Horvat saying he only lost one bet last night? You know, I didn't. Ryan, I'm <laughs> impressed. I think I heard it only two or three times, so bravo, bravo. It was a it was a nice night uh, back back in the association. Now I'm still hurting though because Ohio uh, they weren't unable to they, they didn't yeah. get the tired 15. legs in the second half. Tired legs. If you're on favorites on Monday, that was rough in college hoops. If you were on dogs last night in the NBA, I mean, on favorites, it was rough for dogs on Monday yep. for college, and it was rough on dogs for Tuesday in the NBA. So uh, it's been a bad run. Yeah, favorites last night in the association go five and one. The one outright winner was the Nets. And that was actually like, that was the dog that I hated the most because we didn't think James Harden was going to be able to give it a go. But then 90 right. minutes before tip, we find out he's going to play in that game. Eli, I'm jacked for the Sweet 16. Not really overly excited that I have to wait uh, more. I mean, I we don't have any matchups until Saturday. That kind of sucks. But still, I'm not going to complain. I'm excited. I've already placed two bets. Uh, I want you to tell me why you hate them so much. Well, I want to uh, guess. I want to guess. Oh, okay, wait. Yeah. Oh, guess. Are they guess. both on the same day? Yeah, I like nothing on Saturday, man. Both of my. Oh, you're on Sunday. Today. Okay. All right, then I already know what you're taking. Already wait, know. Wait, let 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 me guess. Um, I was gonna guess Michigan. No, that game, Eli. Yeah, I mean Florida <laughs> State. That that's that's easy. I already knew oh. about Florida State. Why, why do you say that? 
Yeah, I'm on Florida State. Well, I got three and a half there. Uh, I just think, you know, they looked really good this weekend without Isaiah Livers. I just still think that that loss eventually comes back to haunt them. Now, maybe he's able to go. Juwan Howard still says he's out indefinitely. He's their best three-point shooter, third leading rebounder. I just think that Florida State, like the reason I like Michigan is their depth, but I think Florida State can match them with depth. I think they're tall, they're long, they're athletic. And I think they're going to, you know, the one thing that concerns me about Florida State is they turn the basketball over a lot. Yeah, but, but they see, here, Brian, here's the, the underrated aspect about Michigan. I just wanted to, to throw this in there, too. Florida State does turn it over a lot, but Michigan does, too. 26 right. turnovers in their first two tournament games. Mike Smith, as well as he could shoot from time to time, he has turnover problems. So it does plague Michigan and Florida State, like you mentioned, with their athleticism can turn you over. Yeah, I just I like this matchup for Florida State. And, you know, I'm obviously we've seen what's happened to the Big Ten in this tournament. That was the first play that I made three and a half. What's the other one? It's the other other one. No, no, no. Actually, I'm on USC, man. I am on USC. I Isaiah Mobley is the real deal. And I know I don't I shouldn't pay attention like to what's said post game, but his post game comments about Oregon saying that they stole the Pac-12 championship from him. Also, if you look at the matchup, like USC. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Oh. I got to stop you there. You you think any team playing in Sweet 16 round is not motivated to do everything possible to win? No, I'm just saying that he's like on another level right now. And also USC has already knocked off Oregon. They beat him by 14 in February and Mobley didn't even play in that game. I just, I know everybody's going to be on the Ducks. I like USC. Probably more than most. Everybody's not on the Ducks. Like the line has moved up, two and a half now from one. Yeah, yeah. it's a two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, I'm sticking with it. So those are my two okay. favorites. I'm going with Florida State, and I am going to play uh, USC. Now, Eli, why am I dumb? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to. I hate to say it, but I like Oregon. Okay. Yeah, I like I like Oregon too. Let's go back to the first matchup. So you mentioned Isaiah yeah. Mobley didn't play. The brother of Evan Mobley, likely top two pick, one of the best players in college basketball. Oregon got up to such a slow start in that game. And Taj Eady hit, I think, three threes in the first three or four minutes of it. To make it a double-digit lead for USC, Oregon cut the lead lead to 10 in the second half. I think we were actually both on the, the Ducks in that game, Ryan, or at least I was, I remember. And Oregon had a shot. I took them live. They covered that, but couldn't cover the, uh, the closing line of four, four and a half. But you look at this matchup, and you mentioned how USC is motivated because of the Pac-12 uh, with Oregon and then Oregon winning the regular season conference uh, title. Oregon also, again, they have motivation because they lost that game, and they weren't able to set up their press. They weren't able to set up their uh, matchup zone, which Dana Altman has one of the best matchup zones in college basketball. But what Oregon can really hurt this USC team is if they can control the tempo. If Oregon is able to speed up USC in transition and hit threes, uh, USC is one of the uh, below average. I don't want to say one of the worst, but a bottom 100 opponents, three point scoring rate. So if LJ Figueroa, like he did against Iowa, if he can get hot, Chris Duarte, man, if he was on Duke or Kentucky, this would be a Naismith candidate if he's healthy and he was banged up for some of the season for the ducks, but he is so athletic. That's how Oregon really dominated Iowa. So if Oregon can, can uh, control the tempo against the Hawkeyes, and they shoot the three ball like they did against Iowa, and that's a USC defense that can give it up. I think Oregon covers the spread. And I'm with you, like, and especially if I bring up Mobley, you're like, okay, what did he do this year? What did he average? Nine points, seven boards. So it's not like his numbers jump off the he page. He was good against Kansas, yeah. Kansas, yeah. What did he have? 17 points, eight boards, four assists, and he just looked like he's just playing on another level. And if you're X-Factors, 
are going to play like that. I, I just like this matchup, but I do. I, I kind of figured you guys would both like the Ducks, especially you, Eli, and I know that that's your squad. So those are my two favorite plays. Everything else, I feel like, especially Saturday, is spot on. I didn't really see – I'm not really finding any advantages with these numbers. Everything's kind of where I thought it would be. What about you guys? Well, Eli, a uh, quick follow-up on Oregon and USC since it's, you said you like the Ducks. Do you think it sticks at this number of two and a half? Is this as high as it's going to go? Or or could it uh, could it climb to three at some point this week? And, and anything else that you like on the Sunday card since we started there? Yeah, I don't think it's going to get to three. I have a tough time okay. seeing this line go to three because, like you mentioned, went from one. I think it actually opened at, yeah, Oregon plus one and then up to two and a half. So it's not like it opened at two where we might see another half a point come in. If we got a full possession with the Ducks at plus three, that would be even better. But I haven't placed the bet yet just because I do want to wait and see what happens with the line, Joe. I, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it goes down to two, but even then, I might. I think you might as well wait for a three. Chances are slim, but still with the market, and I think the overreaction to the Kansas game on uh, on Monday, where they did dominate Kansas, Ryan, but Kansas also just couldn't match up. Uh, right. Bill Self looked lost in the first few minutes. He put Marcus Garrett on Evan Mobley, which wasn't a bad matchup, but they just couldn't solve that USC zone with that length. And if you're going to go zone against Oregon, as opposed to an, uh, an inconsistent three-point shooting team for the Jayhawks, Ducks can hit threes. And if you're going to go zone against Oregon, that's going to be a mistake. So I doubt I doubt uh, USC goes that route. But going back to Sunday, mm-hmm. I, I do like Florida State a lot in that matchup against Michigan. That, that line, Joe, I don't think it's up to three. And it did get up to three yesterday, came back down to two yeah. and a half. Money came back in on the Seminoles. I think this line go, uh, probably goes down to two, one and a half, probably closer to two by tip because like, Ryan mentioned Florida State's athleticism can dominate, especially in transition, if they could turn Michigan over. And Michigan is a below average, similar to USC with their opponent's three-point scoring rate. Michigan allows a ton of uh, points inside the arc. So Florida State can get to the rim in transition with Scotty Barnes, even though that half-court matchup against uh, Franz Wagner might be tough for Barnes. I I think Florida State's able to cover the spread, keep it within a possession, and likely win this game outright. I think Florida State's getting to the Elite Eight. So you don't think that three and a half or that three is back? You think it's going to be two and a half too? I don't think it's, I think you got a great number of three and a half. However you got that, that's a great number. Minus one thirty, but no big deal there. Well, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big deal. (laughs) Just jump right off the page. Like I love Florida state and that always comes back to haunt me um, in the long run. Any team from the ACC always comes back to haunt me, but Again, I just think that's the perfect matchup. And, and I think that they're just tall, they're long, they're athletic, and their depth is going to match up well in that one. Eli, Oregon, Florida State, that's what you like on Sunday? Yeah, leaning towards Oregon. Again, I haven't placed the bet yet, but I will have a bet in on Florida State later today. I don't think that line gets up to th- uh, back up to three that Ryan got it at because it was probably unjuiced. Standard minus 110 price uh, on Florida State uh, plus what, three last night. What would you bet at minus 130? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would not bet minus 130. That's, that's one thing. I know. Uh, how about on Saturday? What do you like? Man, I, I'm with Ryan. I hate the Saturday card. I The mm-hmm. Baylor line's up to seven, and I agree with the, with the line move there. Villanova, as well as they played over their first couple tournament games against Winthrop, North Texas, Jay Wright's done a phenomenal coaching job ever since Gillespie went down, went down because he's had to adjust his rotations. Brian Antoine, a guy that just could not defend, really over the first season and a half, in college basketball for him. He barely played last year, even though we didn't get a tournament. But uh, yeah, Villanova, I, I think their little run, their nice little run without Gillespie is going to run out against a, 
a physical Baylor team that could turn you over. It doesn't matter that Villanova doesn't turn the ball over as much. This Baylor team and their backcourt with Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, even to an extent, could turn you over. And Villanova also, as well as they could shoot threes, uh, they can give up threes. And Baylor has the best perimeter scoring in college basketball with that backcourt. An elite offensive rebounder in Mark Patel, even though he's undersized. I think Baylor wins this game pretty comfortably. Now Villanova might backdoor. Three possessions is a lot to lay in a tournament game. So lean Baylor, probably not going to lay the uh, lay the points. What about what are your thoughts on Syracuse Houston this weekend? Like Syracuse, is Houston going to figure out the two three zone? And is Buddy Bayheim going to continue to knock down threes at this rate? Because I'm looking at this one, man, and I feel like everybody, I feel like the public is all going to be on Syracuse. They're a very yep. public team, obviously. I kind of like Houston, um, especially if I could get, you know, a three possession game. I, I, what, are, what are your thoughts on this one? Are we overrating Houston, underrating Houston? What do you think about this one with Syracuse coming up on Saturday? You guys both know I love Rutgers. Absolutely right. love Rutgers. But I thought that was going to be the toughest matchup potentially. I mean, obviously, unless Houston played Illinois in this uh, in this region. So now you get a Syracuse team that obviously plays that 2-3 zone, that patented 2-3 zone under Jim Beheim. And Houston's seen that a lot in conference play, or at least a little bit, to the point where they they have experience against it. These guards have experienced against it. I know it's different facing Bayham in a tournament setting versus getting just any sort of 2-3 zone in your conference, in the American Athletic Conference. But the other key for Houston is Dejan Giroux, because he's obviously dealt with the hip injury during the tournament. He dealt with it a little bit towards the latter part of conference play. If Giroux, if that week off pays dividends, which you would expect it to, five or six days off for Giroux, I doubt Calvin Sampson's going to run him a lot in practice. That's a big get for Houston to get him healthy because we go back to the Rutgers game on Sunday, the missed dunk by Miles Johnson leading to the Giroux three, but that, that cut it to a five-point lead, and then Houston comes all the way back. That injury, though, really cost Houston throughout the game because Giroux was clearly limited off the dribble. And he wasn't able to play his full load, a load of minutes. So if you get a healthy ish Jero, uh, I think Houston does cover this line again, laying two possessions in a tournament game when you have one of the best shooters in college basketball going right now. And Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard, who's hitting at a pretty nice clip, is is tough. But I do lean Houston pretty uh, pretty strongly. What would it take for you to bet Loyola Oregon State? Well, as you know, Joe, uh, the cliche of the show is yeah, I yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. But guess what? Not every one of our listeners resides in Illinois right. and that's bets legally. Right. That is that that is true. The the latter part is very true. I think this man, as much as I love the way the Ramblers have played, that was a great effort against Illinois, one of the best defensive efforts, probably of the college basketball season. I, I think man, six and a half is a lot. And I, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of points, man, for an Oregon State team that, yes, you could say might be overrated in itself and maybe getting too much market credit. But the way they're playing, the way Ethan Thompson is playing, I think six and a half is a little bit inflated. Thanks, Eli. We'll talk later. What, we have NIT tonight? Yes, we do. I think Boise State plays tonight, or maybe that's later in the week. But either way, Broncos didn't Pepperdine, make Coastal, Coastal, what are they in? I don't even know which, I don't even know which tournament. CBI. Richmond, Mississippi State? NIT. We'll do some NHL next. Talk to uh, our buddy Alex Moreto. You've got the BetQL Audio Network.